spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Doug Sosnick is a man whose famed strategy memos are considered essential reading in Washington. He's a former Clinton administration advisor, chief of staff on the Hill, and crisis management expert who's been influential for decades. Doug, thank you so much for being here. A couple of preliminaries so that people can appreciate your perspective. Is there a, a schedule or rhythm to the release of these famed memos that you write? Hi, uh, Michael. Thank you very much uh, for having me on uh, your show. Uh, the short answer is no. I mean, I've been doing politics now for over 40 years, and there's a there's a rhythm to what's going on in politics based on the calendar and based on events. And generally, I feel like when there's a moment in that rhythm that, that's an inflection point uh, with some meaning, that's when I tend to put some memos out. In other words, when when, when the moment calls for it, you write on it and assemble your thoughts, uh, but not on any particular schedule. It's not a monthly thing. It's not a quarterly thing. Right. And, you know, I, <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in politics, you know, worked for a senator, a congressman, for President Clinton. <clears throat> and we spend all our time uh, as a staffer trying to figure out how to make news and when is the right time to drop stories. And, um, so I kind of have a combination of having done this work as someone who's been working in politics, but also, I think, somewhat of the sensibilities of an editor. Is this something, this type of project that morphed from a specific assignment, you know, in a prior life, were you writing this only for President Clinton? And then because the kind of legend has grown, you decided you would broaden the audience? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I was, I was, I worked for six years for President Clinton, including his political director and in the uh, uh, 96 re-election, well, in the White House, and then in the second term, I was a senior advisor. So I would periodically put out these internal uh, sort of thoughts and overviews of where we are and where we're headed, and it, it just really kind of morphed from that. And and one more prelim, who is the intended audience and people who are hearing Doug Sosnick? If people say they would like to be on the list, is that possible? Well, I really don't have a list. I guess the easiest thing is to Google me. I, don't, I really don't have a um, uh, a list, and and um, uh, you know, I don't uh, I don't really you know spend a lot of time promoting myself on television, and and uh, I don't have a Substack and anything else. I I tend to just put out my uh, information for people that are interested in politics, and I think largely it's through word of mouth that people get it. It it does get 
it generally uh, does get picked up by a publication, whether it's Politico. Uh, I recently wrote some for the New York Times. Um, so it, it, it gets periodically, or it usually gets picked up. Uh, and people who are interested in politics will bump into it uh, really quickly. You note in your most recent memo, which is dated August 29, that in 10 of the last 12 elections, there's been a change in control of the House, Senate, and or White House. Uh, and you attribute that, and I don't want to speak for you, you can explain, to voters being energized by voting against rather than voting for. Please speak to me about that. Well, I think what's really hard for us to realize in real time as we live through it is what an historic moment we are in our country's history. And you know, I liken it to the last time we went through a period this significant was in the late 1800s when we moved from an agrarian society to an industrial society. And that took around 30 or 40 years, that transition. And we, I think, are now midway through moving from a 20th century top-down manufacturing industrial economy to a 21st century digital and global one. And so during that transition, particularly in the beginning of a transition, you have a few, you have a few big winners and a lot of losers uh, because essentially our 20th century institutions, and I'd put uh, government at the top of that list, are really incapable of dealing with these 21st century problems. So as a country, we're, we're divided. Remember, politics is a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator of the mood of the country. And so we are currently in this period of transition in which more people are feeling the pain than the people who are feeling that are getting benefits. So as a result of that, as we go through the transition, just as what happened uh, over 100 years ago, um, the country doesn't know what necessarily they're for yet because we haven't figured out what this new world's going to look like, but they're against whoever's in power. And this, these moments are called hinge moments in history. If you think about a hinge holding two pieces of wood together, this hinge moment is this transition from one era to another. Can you tell how long this hinge moment is going to last? Well, so I mean, you take back to the agrarian transition to an industrial society, and so for if you're a you know a, a white male farmer who was 40 years old at the time, uh, you were going to be probably a permanent loser uh, in that transition because you weren't going to have the skills for the new jobs. And if you know, if you look at where American high schools came from, it came from corporate America in the beginning of the 1900s telling government that they needed, they needed trained workers for these new industrial jobs. So that's what we created high schools. And so depending on where you lived, uh, that period could have been 20, 20 years. So I grew up in the South, and the South was the last part of the country to get electricity. Um, so that transition in the South probably lasted 30, 35 years. Is the polarization, Doug, that we see today a result of this hinge moment or driving this hinge moment? I think the polarization is uh, is, is caused by um, uh, by this transition. And I think if I could leave you and your listeners with one thought today is that uh, I don't think Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump is a reflection of our times, not the cause of our times. And, and this transition that I mentioned a moment ago, it really began in the early 1970s, which was this large, grand march of the decline of the middle class as, as we transitioned to offshoring in the 1980s, technology-taking jobs. Uh, we moved to, um, uh, you know, with Reagan and, and Congress, they moved to, share, uh, to, to shareholder uh, economies where everything was about the share price, 
workers are considered a liability and expense. So you've had this carving out of the middle class uh, that that uh, first saw, uh, showed up in politics in the early 1990s with Ross Perot's candidacy in 92, where he got 19 million votes. And so these are the people who have been left behind, disproportionately white, older, non-college-educated workers, um, who, who Trump accelerated this transition in his 2016 campaign and throughout his presidency. So the divisions in our country at the core that are largely are economic and in this new 21st century digital economy, the winners in that are the college graduates, which is why the Democratic Party increasingly has college graduates as its base. And the Republican Party increasingly has non-college voters as their base. And that is increasingly also uh, transcending beyond just white non-college, but to people of color non-college. When does the dust settle? In the memo that that I'm holding in my hands that you authored most recently, you say what is clear is that the generational changing of the guard and continued political reform will act as circuit breakers on the tribal politics that have dominated the last several election cycles. I'm often asked this period of tumult that we seem to be going through, and I totally agree with you when you say that Donald Trump is a is a reflection, not the cause Brexit. Uh, I attribute to the same kind of factors that preceded Trump. But what's your answer when people say, when do we go back to some more normal sense of calm? It's when the baby boomers die off. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. 
what's your answer when people say, when do we go back to some more normal sense of calm? It's when the baby boomers die off. Mm-hmm. And the, the, yep. the, the, um, the largest population group in America now are millennials and Gen Zs and the emerging generations. By probably 2028 uh, in that presidential election, uh, the, the largest percentage of voters are going to be Gen Z uh, and millennials. And as you can see, which is not uh, uh, unusual, you can see the current generation of politicians, you know, clinging to power for every last, for every last, you know, opportunity to govern as they're well into their 80s. And the country is, 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 uh, will be in a completely different place from the baby boomers, who I think, by the way, well, history will look back and say drove America kind of off the road. Um, but if you look at uh, the younger generation, they're quite different than the baby boomers. And, and there's some very interesting work that John Delapolvery has done at Harvard. And he just came out with uh, uh, a survey of Gen Z voters. And what he found, particularly with Republicans, is younger Republicans have a completely different set of issues they care about than older Republicans. And they're more, they're more aligned with Generation Z Democrats on their concern about gun control, their concern about what's going on with our environment. They're much more socially um, tolerant. Um, so, uh, so when we get this changing of the guard generationally, and you've got this majority of people who will, who will start taking over our politics, both in voting but also in our leadership, I think you're then going to see these issues like gun control, where you say 70% of the country wants more gun control, but why is it not happening? 70% of the country is concerned about global warming and nothing's being done about it. Why isn't that an issue in a campaign? When we hit that tipping point by the end of the decade, those are going to be the issues that animate the majority of voters. And that transcends political parties. But to be clear, uh, Generation Z for the last in millennials, so that, and particularly younger, uh, younger millennials, the millennials who were born uh, in the 2010s, uh, particularly them in Gen Z, they're much more progressive uh, than baby boomers. But to be clear, while they voted over 60% uh, or more in the last four presidential elections for Democrats, um, it's really not as much a vote for Democrats as it is a vote against Republicans. So it's a mistake to just assume that, quote-unquote, demography is destiny here and that it's going to accrue to the Democrats' benefit because these people have grown up with nothing but institutions failing them, whether it was for the older millennials, whether it was America going to war under a lie in the beginning of the 2000s, the economic crisis of 2008, which not a single person went to jail. Um, they've seen what's happened to their families, um, they, you know, the Trump presidency. So I think they feel completely alienated from all institutions and are not necessarily, quote unquote, based Democratic voters. Doug Sosnick is the former Clinton administration official whose famed strategy memos have long been considered essential reading in Washington. Everything you just said to me makes anecdotal sense to me based on our children and their friends. I mean, I I think they're coming from a totally different place ideologically than their elders. But something I worry about, Doug, is that They've grown up in an environment where incivility is all they've ever known. I, I appreciate what you just said on issues, but I wonder on process what they will be like when the mantle is handed to them. 
Well, we'll have to see. I mean, we've, <clears throat> you know, when I was growing up, you know, we never had road rage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and just quick and quickly, I mean, I, I think the tipping point of America, the American community, began during the Vietnam War, and it wasn't the traditional uh, interpretation of that. The Vietnam War is the first war that we as a country were not all in this together. The first war, if you had money, power, you could gain the system and not serve. And that, that was the bad seed. of. Uh, and then when you start looking at what happened economically in the 70s, 80s, and the 90s, and the gap between the people with money and the people without money, you look at the economic crisis of 2008, and I think you particularly also the, the aftermath of COVID, you know, we are currently not a society in which we're all in this together. And increasingly, I think there is a lack of civility. There are, in a sense, no more guardrails. Um, part of the appeal for some people to Trump is he says out loud um, what people think but haven't been saying, and it kind of creates a permission structure. So I, I do worry about that, but I do believe that the younger generation is more like the greatest, the greatest generation and their values than the baby boomers. And you, know, you can look clearly at their, that, at their decisions in life. I mean, what's, this is the first time in our country's history now where companies are moving to cities where they can hire people that have the skills they're looking for. Up until now, in their entire history, Americans moved to where the jobs were. And so the, the relationship between worker and companies has completely been turned on its side. And part of the reason why is the younger generation value system is different in terms of what's important to them in their life. And they're looking for more balance. They are, they are I think, much more communitarians. Uh, I don't think they think necessarily government is the solution for all these problems. So I'm actually optimistic uh, about the, uh, the ascending generation's sense of trying to create more of a community in America uh, than what we've had with the baby boomers for the last half, last half a century. Uh, but you're going to have you know, people on the fringe right and fringe left that are going to continue to be uh, more outspoken, uh, but I think that there's a bigger middle coming. You say the last remaining battleground, suburbia. How come? Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, if you look at, uh, basically, if you tell me, uh, the demographics of a community who lives there based on their race and their education levels, um, I'll tell you how they're going to vote. And so if you, if you back into this, the urban areas now are overwhelmingly democratic, overwhelmingly higher educated voters. Now, part of the reason that that's the case is this is where the jobs are. And increasingly people without a college education can't afford to live in, live in these cities. Then you get to the, the more rural areas of the country, and these are the areas that have been hit hardest uh, by the changes in our global economy and you know, offshoring and China and free trade and globalization. Um, that's disproportionately older, white, non-educated voters. Uh, and men, most of those people live there because um, they can't afford to leave. And so what you're left with then is, is the suburban areas, which are high-growth areas in our country, uh, but as I described, the, politic, the political dem, uh, backgrounds of urban dwellers and rural uh, dwellers, the suburban areas now have, have the most variety of people who live there. And so it's more, it's, it's the high growth areas in our country, um, but it's also um, the most diverse. And for the, your listeners out there, if you think about the communities that you're living in, 
uh, I feel quite confident that the more densely populated suburban areas, the areas that are closer to the cities, which are more expensive, by the way, uh, are, are more democratic. And then if you look at the ex-urban areas that, that were rural, rural but are increasingly becoming built up, those, while they're competitive, they probably lean Republican. The population density is, a, is another telltale of what the politics are of a community. But, but I think if you look at the most recent Cook uh, political report, analysis of the House races, there are only 46 of them. And I think all but three or four are, uh, are in suburban areas. Uh, and the ones that aren't in suburban areas are mostly just due to reapportionment, redistricting, redrawing. So, and if you look at control of the House from the 2018 election, the 2020 election, the 2022 election, it was determined in the suburban areas. And the suburban areas in a handful of states is what elected Donald Trump president in 2016 and Joe Biden president in 2020. Can you say something before you leave about self-sorting and the rise, for example, of blowout counties? Wherever you live, it seems to me, the likelihood is that you're surrounded by people who voted in the same fashion that you did. And that's on the rise. And I attribute it to our lack of of common experience. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I think I think you're right about it's uh, due to common experience. That's kind of a a reaction to what's going on. Just for your your listeners, just to give you a sense of it. So 40 states have voted the same way in the last four presidential elections. There are only five senators uh, of a different party than the presidential candidate who carried their state in 2020. There are only uh, 23 members of the House out of 435 are of a different party than the presidential candidate who carried their district in 2020. So I think that people are increasingly self-selecting where they live based on shared values and one of the sh- and also the shared economics. Uh, and political beliefs are very much part of the shared values. Uh, and that's why in these suburban areas where you see more of a racially mix now, um, those people, I think, increasingly non-whites are sharing the same values of their neighbors who may be white as a way of defining who they are politically more so than their ethnicity. Um, and so these, these signs are clear. This has been building since the early part of the, uh, of the century. I do think the fever will break at some point when we get that generational shift, as I said, and, uh, and with the alienation towards both political parties, I think that we can reshuffle. But we are largely stuck for the last half a century in the fight of the baby boomer generation and the divisions and the wars, that the culture wars, which have driven and defined our politics. Once that generation is shoved aside, the subsequent generations who will take over leadership in our country are going to be looking forward and not backward about the direction we're headed. I promise I won't give it all away for free. And Doug Sosnick has been more than generous with his time. But just one other, if I if I might pursue in the most recent memo that you authored, you say there are only a handful of states that are going to determine control of power in the U.S. And you list eight of them at most. If I said to you, I can give you an insight. It's Election Day 2024 into one state. Is there one that would be at the top of your list that you'd want to take a peek? Well, just for your listeners, so the eight states are four in the industrial Midwest, the 20th century sort of center of American economy, which is Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and then had New Hampshire. And then the other four in the, the southeast and southwest of North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. 
And, and so those are the, the states, really, that all the states that matter. So don't pay much attention to the national polls. It's just in those eight states. In terms of your specific question, uh, I don't know that I would say one, but I, I would say that uh, I would be particularly interested in seeing the results in Arizona and uh, Nevada and Wisconsin. How come? Well, there. Um, I mean, just remember now, both in terms, both in terms of the 2016 presidential election and the 2020 presidential elections, the fewer than 100,000 people had voted differently in three states. Hillary Clinton would have been elected president in 2016, uh, and, and Joe, uh, Donald Trump would have been elected in 2020. So we're really talking about very narrow results, and those three states were, were three of the closest. Uh, so I think that in the case of Wisconsin, which over half half the voters there are non-college uh, whites, very rural, um, that's, that's very much a toss-up. Um, this is one of the states that was severely impacted potentially by the issue of abortion opposed to Roe decision. And so you've seen a mobilization there since then of progressives and, and even moderates in the state supporting Democrats uh, against Republicans. They, Democrats took over in a special election this year in the Supreme Court based entirely on the issue of abortion. So if, if you could see Democrats continuing that trend in 2024 and racking up much bigger numbers than the narrow results in the last two elections, I think that's a real tell about the probability of Biden, assuming he's the candidate, would win. And in the case of, of uh, Nevada, which has narrowly voted for Democrats in the last two presidential elections, if Trump were to win there, uh, it would show you, uh, and this is a state that, that is towards the bottom, uh, unlike all but two of the states, Nevada and New Hampshire, those six other states I just mentioned, they're all right in the middle of education levels in America. Nevada is towards the bottom, which makes it you know, one, the one competitive state that's not at the middle of the education level. So in the case of Nevada, if, if, if Trump were to win Nevada, that shows you he probably has real staying power now with non-college, non-whites, which it could be an enormous opportunity for him to get elected. And that would transcend over to, to Arizona, um, which has a high percentage of, of, of non-college, non-whites. Um, and 40% of the people who voted in 2022 in Arizona in the midterms, 40% are self-identified independents. And so that's another state that if one of the candidates were to rack up a significant margin of victory, which was not the case in 2020, that probably foreshadows broader results. There's a lot to unpack. I am so appreciative. Thank you so, so much. I hope you'll come back. I really appreciate everything that you just had to say. Thank you for having me. See you. Doug Sosnick, ladies and gentlemen, the, the man behind the famed strategy memos. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? 
Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's a l l b i r d s.com. Code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Here are some of the headlines from Doug Sosnick's most recent memo. Headline one, all politics is now national. I agree with that. Number two, education is the new fault line in American politics. Next, national polling is not an accurate predictor of presidential election outcomes. You heard him say, ignore the nationals, focus on Arizona, focus on Nevada, focus on Wisconsin. Uh, In line with that, he says there are just eight states that really are going to matter. I didn't get into it with him, but the potency of abortion as a political issue, he thinks, is only going to increase over time. The South and the West are now the centers of political power in the country. The suburbs are the last remaining battleground in America. Online small donors, online small donors, not the fat cats and bundlers, are the real test of strength of a candidate. Uh, Two more. There is no longer a true election day in America. In the 2020 election, 69% of the country voted before the election, 43% by mail and 26% in person. And finally, political reform is gaining strength across the country. Uh, In Augusta, Georgia, this is Ben disagreeing with something that he heard. What is it that you disagree with, Ben? I think the... uh the big issue for the Generation X is going to be the deficit. Uh, Biden is reelected. We're going to we're actually spending one and a half trillion dollars more per year than we're taking in. That's three trillion dollars by the time he completes his uh, current term. If he gets reelected, that's six trillion dollars more in debt. So that's almost forty trillion dollars, and the and the uh, servicing of that debt's going to be prohibitively expensive. And the baby boomers are going to realize that the uh, the Democrats. I've spent this into uh, in other words, they're they're the ones they're the ones who finally have to pick up the tab is your point. 
Frank, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you most wanted to say what in response to what you've heard? Well, the one thing is about this political divide and this, uh, I got to tell you, uh, particularly with the people talking about seceding and violence is all on one side. I don't see anybody on the Democratic side talking about seceding. I don't see anybody talking about violence on the Democratic side. It's all on the on the uh, right. Okay. And to what to what are you responding that he said? Nothing, I guess, in particular. Well, 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 well just in particular about this divide and everything. Okay. I mean, well, I, but the, I, I mean, I, people I'm might sorry, not. I, people on the left might not t- be talking about breaking away from the country, but the polarization ex- crosses all ideological boundaries. I, I don't have a better answer than he does, and I get asked the question all the time, when does it get better? My answer is to say when more people change the channel and break out of their media media silo of choice, he has a more specific answer, which is to say when the boomers are gone, when the boomers are gone and it's some combination of Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, I'm not sure what we're call, calling those who... Uh, were most recently born, some say Gen Alpha, but they're being raised to believe differently in terms of their issue focus, as well as, I hope, process considerations, because all they know is incivility. That's what worries me the most. I've I've had this conversation with you many times that my wife and I have raised four who've only grown up against this backdrop. I at least had the benefit of the 80s when Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan could at least be civil with one another, and Reagan would host Tip O'Neill as he did at the White House for his 69th birthday. Steve, you are in Columbus, Ohio. Greetings. Give me a quick thought, please. Yes, hi there. Um, First of all, yeah, that dude is brilliant. I would listen to him anytime. I think he definitely has a great take on what's going on in America. But two, I also have... uh, a bone to pick was the gentleman who thought all the violence was coming from the right. I mean, if you look at the BLM riots, um, those are pretty much from the left. The other thing is I, as a conservative Republican, am scared to voice my opinion because I'm afraid that I would be canceled. And that, again, is a very violent thing. And if you talk about succession, think about stacking the Supreme Court, adding extra senators, all these things that... um, Democrats are trying to do because they didn't get their way. That, that's enough. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. In uh, Long Island, this is Dave. Dave, quick reaction to what you heard from Doug Sosnick. Um, I think Doug uh, saying uh, when the boomers are gone, everything's going to be uh, better is um, short-sighted. Um, listen, I tell my son who's a millennial, and these Gen Xers, I tell them, like, whatever ideas you have, they're going to have to produce fruit. And their ideas just don't work. And that's what the problem's going to be. All the boomers, like myself, could go away, and their problems are still going to be there. They're still going to have a terrible economy. They're still going to be, you know, attacking men, you know, and, um, you know, just for being a man. And they're going to still have their same social justice problems and, and the fact is that the world yeah, is but still the point, changing. The point, the point that he was making, I think, was more focused on, he, he rattled off three. I don't know that I remember all three. Guns were one. The environment was another. Um, was climate the same? I don't know. But I, I think he's right when he says that the next generation is more progressive in its thinking on those type of issues. And then I asked, well, OK, but they've grown up amidst only incivility. How will they be able to carry that 
out. You know what I think? I think this is a poll question. If I can figure out if I can figure out how to word it, I think this is a good poll question in the next couple of days, which is does the climate of polarization get better? Uh, how do we do this without being morbid? When the boomer I I'm I'm like one of the youngest of the boomers, so I guess I can say this. When the boomers are gone, does it get better? We'll work on it. We'll we'll, oh, we'll yeah. noodle. We'll, oh, oh boy. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do a little uh, little noodling on this. The Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.